Colossians chapter 2, I'm sorry, chapter 4, verse 2 through 9. Uh, I'll take the even number of verses if you want to take the odd number of verses, and we'll go through it that way. Verse 2 says, Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Verse 3. <clears throat> That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Verse 7. I am sending him <clears throat> to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstance and comfort your hearts. Great job, team. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your great grace the work of your Holy Spirit, even now as we gather. And ask that you would simply take this word that is yours, lift it from its page, cause it to be made flesh upon our hearts that we might apply it to our lives and glorify you in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Colossians has been just a great journey. I hope you've enjoyed it. We're endeavoring to close uh, the book out this morning. Um, as we do, we come to some of the Apostle Paul's closing exhortations and remarks, if you will, his encouragement, instruction, all of that to the believers there at Colossae. And so if I would back you up a bit this morning to verse 2, which he says to them to continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. <clears throat> Uh, various versions have some interesting renderings of that same verse. Uh, the King James says, continue in prayer and watch in the same uh, with thanksgiving. The Amplified version of the Bible says, be persistent and devoted to prayer, being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. Uh, synonymously, you know, we have the exhortation to earnestly pray, to watchfully pray, to persistently pray. Uh, 
Webster's Dictionary takes earnest and says that it means to be sincere and serious, not lighthearted or playful. Uh, Webster also takes the word persistent and gives us this definition, to continue to do something even if it is difficult and going beyond the usual, normal, or expected amount of time. So here the Apostle Paul knows these believers there in Colossae uh, have engaged in a prayer life. Uh, he tells us several times in the book previously that he knew they were praying for him. He had been praying for them. So he comes to this closing exhortation to now take that uh, start in your prayer life, Colossian believers, and continue in it seriously, even if it's difficult, beyond the usual and the normal. And prayer is one of those massive subjects in Scripture, and certainly a immediately applicable subject in the life of every believer. I think it is a beautiful study to go back through Scripture and look at the prayer lives of, of men and women throughout Scripture. And you could do a long study on that subject alone. A couple that I'll bring to our remembrance this morning have to do with defining truly what, what prayer is. Uh, it's been said that prayer is uh, comprised of three, perhaps even four, various components. It is petitions, uh, it is praises, and it is intercession. I would add a fourth to that, that it can also be an, a, an inquiry. Praying to God can be inquiring of God of something. Prayer can be a declaration as well. And we remember, of course, uh, Isaac and Rebekah, all the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter 25, uh, Rebekah was barren and unable to have children. And so we're told in Genesis 25 that Isaac... Uh, sought the Lord and prayed for Rebekah that she might conceive. That's intercession, where a, an individual knows the need and concern and care of another and prays for that person. It's interceding. Uh, then, sure enough, we're told in that same passage that Rebekah did conceive and Twins were conceived inside her womb. And as she was bearing through this pregnancy, these twins were kicking each other and fighting it out in there. Uh, not that any of you moms would know how that feels. Maybe all of you moms know how that feels. Uh, and Rebecca was wondering, well, why? Why is this happening to me? Remember the account. And so she inquired of the Lord. She asked the Lord to help explain to her why is this circumstance going on. And so prayer is an inquiry. You remember what the Lord said to her. He said to her that as these babies, these infants, these 
children in her womb were struggling and kicking inside her, the Lord said to her, there are two nations inside of you. And sure enough, as you follow scripture, we see that the birth of those twins gave birth to what is now known as the Arab nation and the nation of Israel. And have they not been fighting forever? To inquire of the Lord, to petition the Lord, to intercede. But prayer is also praises. It is uh, the offering of, of worship to God. You may not have known this. Perhaps you did already know it, but you've already prayed this morning uh, as you were worshiping the Lord, as you sang, uh, I come. Now is a time I worship. It's the offering of praise unto the true and the living God. And uh, in the book of Exodus, we find that Moses, as he was setting up the the tabernacle. Of course, this would be a, a temporary house of worship with all its uh, detailed rooms and partitions. And, and in this one meeting place, we're told in Exodus chapter 40 that he set up uh, an altar of incense in the tent of meeting and he burned fragrant incense uh, as a symbol unto the Lord. In other words, God takes the praises of his people as, as incense that rises. I remember years ago, uh, before I'd given my life to the Lord, uh, I, I was a wannabe. And what that wannabe was, was I want to be a hippie. Uh, so I was a teenager, and you know I had no ideas what hippies really were. I just could see them on the news. They had long hair, tie-dye shirts. They kind of danced freely everywhere. They loved, you know, the current music, and and I thought that looked really cool. So as a teenager living under the roof of my mother, who was supporting me, I appealed to her for leather bell-bottom pants and sleeveless tie-dye shirt and asked, can I grow my hair? I want to grow my hair. And so, you know, if you were to just see me on the street, you might think hippie. But what it was is that I'd come out of my, my plush, comfortable home at 7844 Crest, walk down the hill and take a 43-foot hill all the way out to Berkeley and get off the bus and mingle as though I was one of them. Now, most of them were sleeping in parks, cars. But I remember when I would get in that crowd, they were always burning incense. And it was off, you know, weird smells, patchouli oil, that kind of thing. And so I would buy incense and I would take it home wanting to be like them, not knowing that as my life was directionless, it was seeking to follow examples that would lead me nowhere, that one day at the end of my searching, 
when I would come to a living faith in Christ alone and would open up my heart and my lips to just say, God, as we sang this morning, thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing my sin away. Thank you for loving me. That as you sang that, and I sang that this morning, it rises like incense to the throne of God. Prayer. It is praise. It is petition. It is intercession. You remember Joshua in the fifth chapter of his book, getting ready to go before these great walls of Jericho. And the nation of Israel was delivered and had crossed uh, over into the promised land, and yet this would be one of their fundamental first uh, engagements, battling against the enemies of God in order to take possession of the land that God had promised them, not only to secure them in the land that is theirs, but to also test their hearts, would they in fact obey? Would they follow through on what he would direct and command them to do? You remember Joshua looked up and there was a a man with a, a sword drawn. And Joshua, as a captain, he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? And this man who was what we call in biblical research, uh, a theophany, theo, God, an, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. This man said, no, but as the captain of the army of the Lord, I have come. And we're told that Joshua fell down and worshipped. The man didn't tell him to get up and not worship. We know the scripture commands that God said that he alone is to be worshipped. And so, in fact, as Joshua was there, you know, are you for us or for our adversaries? An inquiry of the Lord, a petition to the Lord, a praise to the Lord, intercession. And Paul says to the believer, continue. I know you've started, but continue. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have freed me when I was hemmed in and relieved me when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Psalm 4, verse 1. Psalm 18. You have also given me the shield of your salvation Your right hand upholds and sustains me. Your gentleness makes me great. So sweet to take the Psalms and just pray them into our spirit. Take the word of God and pray it into our spirit. Continue earnestly in prayer. Vigilant with thanksgiving. You know, recently we had a dear sister end up in the hospital. She's not with us this morning, uh, Sherry Wynn. Uh, She's doing okay. She has recovered. She has angina. Um, But uh, 
she's not here, so I, I think she will forgive me if I speak tenderly about her. One of the things that blesses me as I listen to Sherry pray is how many times she uses the word, thank you, Lord. And I invite us this morning to be reminded, Lord, thank you. What have you got to say thank you to the Lord for? What's in your heart that you would begin prayer and intermediate prayer and engage at ever, you know, ever so many parts of, of your petitions and your praises and your intercession with the words, thank you, Lord. That's what Paul is encouraging. But he is also reminding them of the intercessory aspect of prayer when he says in verse four, uh, verse three, meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. Paul was inviting them to continue in their intercession for himself that irregardless of the fact that he was being held in house arrest, that God would open a door for the word to be shared. What I love about that and fascinates me is that uh, Paul did not rely on anything within himself to move the gospel of Jesus Christ forward. He did not rely upon his great knowledge of Old Testament uh, synonym understanding of, of where Christ was in the Old Testament, that he could bring it forth and you know, eloquently talk to anybody about how much he knows Christ was in the Old Testament. In fact, he tells us in 1 Corinthians that he didn't use speech, eloquent speech, but he trusted the power of God. And I want to exhort us this morning that we cannot rely on anything within ourselves to move the gospel of Jesus Christ forward as we bring it to loved ones who we know desperately need to walk intimately with Christ, as we bring it to the unsaved who their lives are spinning out of control and they need a handle upon a loving and a saving God, it's not going to be the, the prowess, if you will, of your ability to share scripture or, or know what God has said. I look back at our, our outreach a couple of weeks ago, right? And I was talking with a brother recently, you know, was it successful? Was it not successful? Well, the, the issue is how do you determine success? I mean... Would it have been grand to have had the entire house filled and multiples of people come forward to receive Christ? Would have been great. Is that what God did? No. Does that mean that the weekend was not a success? You see, we did our best. We did our best to reach out to this community, let them know that something was happening here in which the gospel of Christ would be declared. And as Pastor Chuck used to say before he so uh, 
gloriously stepped into heaven. He said, do your best and just commit the rest. And Paul did not rely on himself. He relied on, on the prayer of interceding saints to open a door for the word. So if we're going to pray in this year coming up and through these holidays, let's join Paul in that admonition that as we speak with loved ones, neighbors, and those, that God will open a door for the word to be shared because we know God's word does not return to him void, but it accomplishes the thing for which it is sent. The apostle goes on in his closing remarks to them about uh, wise speech. We read it in verse 5 when he said, walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time, and let your speech Always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And he turns his attention now to uh, the outward speaking of Christians there in Colossae. Inwardly, their prayer life. Outwardly, how they speak to others. Uh, love what we sang this morning. Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Could we go this week? Could we go out this week and, and begin each day with that Heartfelt prayer. Lord, today, would you let the words of my mouth and the things that I'm going to meditate upon in my heart be acceptable, be pleasing. Jesus tells us in the Gospel of Matthew that what happens, it is, it is that what's in the abundance of our heart, it's out of that that the mouth speaks. So take some... Take some verbal inventory this morning, beloved. Uh, how's your speech been lately? Has it been edifying? Is it a conversation that you would want to have with the Lord himself? Bring him into your dining table and sit down and say, Hey, join me in this conversation, God. Jesus said that out of the good treasures of a heart, man will bring forth good treasure, but out of the evil treasure brings forth evil. And that for every idle word we say, I mean, this is a strong admonition this morning, that we're to be careful about what we say. I think one of the most damaging things to uh, the church are blanket statements by Christians that, that are supposed to encompass an entire subject. Be because what a blanket statement does, 
you know, a sentence that is supposed to cover it all. How can you do that? Uh, what it does is, is shows a lack of, of real uh, follow-through and investigation or inquiry to a given area of life, uh, intellect and knowledge. I mean, all, all those things that, that the Lord would have us to be very careful about what we say. Um, give you an example. Back in the day uh, when it was tie-dyes and leather bell-bottoms and long hair, we used to say something like, all hippies are dope addicts. So I'm using that as an example. Don't quote me on it. You see what a blanket statement that is? Now, if you take what I'm talking about here is a statement that, that says, um, be careful here. <laughs> I mean, whether it's a political statement, a religious statement, a sociological statement, a historical statement, be careful about what you say. Let your speech, Paul said, be always seasoned with grace, that you may know how you ought to answer one another. And then he wants to be sure to let these Colossian believers know that uh, those who have served alongside of him are very beloved individuals. Uh, here he gives a list of those in verse 7. You guys did a great job of reading this guy's name, uh, Tychicus. You got all quiet there, and then you went on and said, a beloved brother. So I, that's easy to do, but I, it, sometimes I can't read them either. But Tychicus, he's a, notice what he a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I find this powerful as Paul takes a moment to bring to attention those that are alongside of him, those that are serving the Lord in the same way that he is. But notice what he says about Tychicus, that he's sending him there so that he, verse 8, may know your circumstance and comfort your hearts. <clears throat> I think one of the most beautiful uh, components of, of a brother or a sister likened unto Tychicus, who is beloved, who is faithful, who is a servant, is the ability to turn it around and, and want to be a comfort to someone else, to want to know their circumstance. And uh, maybe this morning as you've come here, you've walked through the doors, and all of us, we come through these doors with a lot about what's going on in our life, because there is a lot going on in our life, and the Lord knows what's going on in your life and in my life. And yet, is it not a beautiful thing to, to ask the Lord by his Holy Spirit to shift our paradigm so that our concern 
and care is not just only for ourselves, but for others. That we may know their circumstance and with the intent, intentional, I love that new kind of buzzword, to be intentional about wanting to comfort their heart. Paul says this about Tychicus. He talks about Onesimus there in uh, verse 9. Of course, we know we find Onesimus in the book of Philemon, uh, verse 10. Uh, He was a a servant slash slave who had been converted to Christ. Uh, Evidently, um, Tychicus will be taking Onesimus back to Colossae, back to the one that uh, is his owner slash master. Uh, We're told in verse 10 that uh, Aristarchus is a a fellow prisoner who is there. We don't know the circumstances by which Aristarchus was brought into house arrest with Paul or what he was arrested for, but he is certainly serving time there in Rome with Paul. And um, he brings up the fact that uh, Mark and the cousin of Barnabas is greeting the believers in Colossae. Now, you remember uh, Mark had a conflict, or rather Paul had a conflict with Mark. Back in the book of Acts chapter 13, uh, Mark had refused to go along on a, uh, the first mission trip that he, he went for a little while and then turned back. And so Paul didn't want to travel with him anymore. And Barnabas and then Saul, who became Paul, became so heated over John Mark, Mark, that Barnabas and Paul separated and went different ways. And oftentimes, if you read that account in the book of Acts, you see that it is possible for two Christians who want to serve the Lord and want to serve him in a very variety of ways can come to a place where they, they disagree about another individual. It doesn't mean that, you know, Christianity is all, supposed to unfold and all come apart. God knows that we're comprised of different gifts and talents and whatnot. And so Paul and Barnabas went their separate ways. And what was the result of that? The gospel went forward in multiple areas. And as time went on, and Paul finds himself now under house arrest in Rome, he had heard of John Mark's faithfulness, and Mark had redeemed himself to Paul, and now Paul is letting the Colossians know that Mark greets them. Uh, He talks of in verse 11, of Jesus, who is also called Justice. Uh, These are my fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. Uh, They have proved to be a comfort to me. We already know in verse 12 about Epaphras. Uh, He's the one who had come and let Paul know what was going on in Colossae, uh, the condition of the church there, and how excited uh, Epaphras was about their genuine faith, and yet Paul went on to teach them through the book here uh, and to mature them. Uh, And Paul says concerning 
Epaphras in verse 12, that he, he labors fervently for the Colossian believers in prayer, that they may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Uh, let's read that together. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Well, how much better can you pray for someone and what more glorious position to have in life? Can you say this morning, can you say this morning that you're standing perfect and complete in all the will of God? You know, if not, then before you leave this morning, grab somebody and say, hey, will you pray for me this week that I will stand perfect and complete in all the, the will of God? I mean, it's, it's not only recommended, it's not only possible, but it is, and we are admonished. Paul said in Romans uh, 12, he said, I beseech you, brethren, therefore by the mercies of God that you present yourself a living sacrifice. That you not be conformed to this world, but that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Do you know that this morning? Do you know what the good and perfect and acceptable will of God for your life is? He talked about uh, Epaphras having a great zeal for them in verse 13. He, he mentions Luke in verse 14, the beloved physician and Demas greet you. This is how we know that Luke was actually a doctor. He was a physician of the time. Uh, then he admonishes the Colossian believers, greet the brethren in verse 15 who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. Notice that. Oh my goodness. Uh, if anybody in this fellowship ever gets moved by the Holy Spirit to open up their home for a home fellowship, would you please come and see me immediately? Uh, we, in years gone by, used to have several houses that were open during the week, and there was a given evening where some of the body would gather, and it would be a time of prayer, a little worship, we'd go over the word, a home fellowship. The church began in homes. The church began in houses. The New Testament church. How we ended up with, you know, cathedrals and sanctuaries, well, you're probably going to join me and we'll ask the Lord about that when we get to heaven, right? I mean, there's nothing wrong with a comfortable chair and a nice building, but there is a dynamic that takes place when we meet in the home, purposefully meet, intentionally meet, to seek the Lord together, to study his word together, to worship him and pray together. That's what was going on in Nymphus's house. And then he closes in verse 16. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans 
and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. We don't know what's happened to that epistle, but notice the emphasis of the reading of these epistles in the church. Uh, one of the great strengths, I think, of, we would call it that, of, of most Calvary Chapel ministries is just staying true to reading this word. It's so imperative that how would we know to live Christ unless we know the word of God? And so we, we endeavor to just read through this precious thing called the Bible from Genesis to Revelation again and again. We're commanded to in Scripture. In verse 17, he says, And say to Archippus, uh, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. Uh, and what we do know about this fella is that he was probably the son of Philemon and Alphia. Uh, he's noted in verse 2 of Philemon. And so this salutation, verse 18, the last verse of the book, this salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains, grace be with you, amen. Great admonitions coming as he closes his time. So as we close our time together, uh, we'll be praying about where we're going to go uh, next Sunday, I, I don't know if I'll start a book or just uh, bring something to us as it relates to the giving of thanks to the Lord, but uh, prayer, continue in prayer. Let's watch, take note of our speech, and uh, let's let others say of us as well that we are beloved, faithful servants of the Lord.